0: One of the more daunting experiences for a grown-up professional is the decision to return to the workforce after an extended career break. If that break was precipitated by the birth of your children, there's an added layer of perceived judgment. This is
1: Where Was I?, a podcast about a parenting transition we are calling Empty Nest Version 1.0. I'm Angela Arsenault. And I'm Jessica Tickton.
0: In our first three episodes, we talked about how lead parents, mostly mothers, often suffer from a lack of confidence as they enter this transition back to paid work. That has as much to do with insecurities about our self-worth as it does with a society that devalues the kind of work we have spent years doing. In our last episode, we discussed imposter syndrome in regards to this transition with the help
1: of Harvard business professor, Amy Cuddy. We learned this is a common human experience, and Amy explained the importance of self-affirmation, identifying our core values, and getting to a place of calm openness before setting off down the path of pursuing paid work again. In this episode, we're excited to speak with career coach Michelle Friedman and dive deep into the relaunching process with her.
2: Husband and I, before school had started, had kind of talked about, okay, Lauren, what, what's going to happen next? I, you should probably get a job at some point. <laughs> and I agree, but then that begs the question of, well, what? You know, do I go back to what I was doing before? Do I do something new? And if so, can I even do something new? I don't necessarily have the educational background, and certainly the experience I don't have uh, for doing something new. What I had been doing before kids and even during uh, the first child and the beginning of the second child was I was working in finance, and I'd been in finance really more or less since college, but never really on purpose. I mean, it was just something I, I kind of fell into it, and then I just didn't really ever question it you know it was here's my job it's a good job it pays me oh okay there's this test called the CFA that people that people take when they're in finance so i guess i'll take it and just kind of down the path without really thinking about it but the fact was was that i didn't really ever love my job i think finance or i think economics is interesting because it's always changing so at least there's that but the job itself was never it was never very interesting. So I didn't, I didn't really want to go back and do that.
0: That was Lauren Pricer. Remember her? She was one of the mothers we featured in our first episode, whose three children all started school last fall. Lauren was anticipating going back to work, but had no idea what she wanted to do other than not go back to the kind of job she had before. Michelle Friedman says Lauren's confusion is not surprising given the rigidity of the expectations and culture of the American workforce.
3: It's, it's sort of understandable because our society isn't really set up to talk about this as a career break or a pause or something that's normal and that the reentry is normal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's put out as an impossible task at times to return to work. And um, the truth is that it isn't. It takes time and effort. But there's so many success stories out there.
1: It may not feel like it now, but your journey to becoming one of those success stories has already started. The fact that you're thinking about what you want to do and how you can get there means that you've taken the first few steps. Michelle says one of the best ways to gain clarity as you approach this transition is to talk about it with a friend.
3: You know, I always say that it's not something that you can think your way out of, mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the time that um, folks reach out to me who are in this position, you know, they've been doing a lot of thinking and <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to figure mm-hmm. this out. Um, and you know, I, I really suggest that you find a thought partner, whether it's a coach, whether it's a supportive friend, uh, maybe it's somebody, a coworker from your past, but you know, first. To kind of get out of your own head, and to—I personally think—entering into a dialogue is very helpful in terms of pulling out the raw ingredients of a a relaunch, which is that clarity around what do I want to do. The clarity in terms of content: is it full time? Is it part time? Is it the same industry I was in? Is it doing something totally different? Do I want to reboot myself? Because I said over a 40-year career span, you're allowed to do more than a few things. Mm -hmm. Um, Your interests may have changed. So trying to um, get into a conversation that's just out of your head where you can start sorting through what you know about yourself, what you still need to discover, to reactivate maybe some of the people from your past who you were connected to professionally because in the process of having these conversations, it's really iterative. You go into a conversation and you're not quite sure what you want um, to do next, but in that conversation you get more clarity and then you can go on to the next conversation. You know, getting into conversations with other people will help bring the clarity and you have to be willing to be a little uncomfortable and say, I'm not quite sure yet. I'm thinking it could be A, B, or C, you know, and then get into a conversation, and I think that does help um, move you along the process to get to where you need to get to so that you can sort of pull the trigger and and, and get back to work and feel like you are making an informed choice versus just a knee-jerk reaction, taking the first thing that comes along.
0: Don't forget, this is really exciting. You've got a chance to reinvent yourself find a job that encompasses new interests or things you were curious about when you were younger, but maybe didn't feel safe pursuing as a career. Michelle says this is the time to throw all that stuff on the table, pile up your passions, your hobbies, even your old career, and then start sifting through it all to discover a few options for your
3: new path. You know, a great exercise that, that coaches often do with clients, but, but someone can do this with themselves is to just kind of close their eyes and imagine, you know, you have a magic wand. And imagine one year from now you are doing something that that you love, that it fits into your life, and this is, you know, sort of an ideal way for you to be back at work. And without censoring yourself, think about what would you be doing. Like, tell me what a typical day looks like. Tell me the types of people that you're working with. Tell me the, the kind of work that you're doing. And that accessing a different part of your brain and just kind of going into visioning mode. It sounds a little bit woo-woo for people who are um, very practical, um, but it's amazing how much information there is in just a visualization. And it's, it's kind of the concept of begin with the end in mind. Like, try to figure out what this endpoint is, at least for now. And that's another thing that I suggest is in this narrowing down process is not Think of this like you're making a decision that's going to uh, decide for you the rest of your life what you're going to be doing career-wise. It's just the first chapter of your relaunch, mm, and it's, yeah. it's getting the toe in, it's, and, and it's experiential learning. You're not going to know if this is what you want to be doing until you're doing it.
1: How do you separate your real interests from, say, a passing interest or a hobby? Michelle shared a bit about her own transition from being a full-time mother for six years back to a new career and how she had to figure this
3: out. But the way I thought of myself as being a stay-at-home mom, and I knew that I could be that, and I could add something else back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of getting itchy and wondering what was it, what was, what was it going to be? And at that point, my youngest was, you know, probably like six or seven years old. At that point, I really just began an exploration process, and I you know for those who have the opportunity to do this and they're not time pressured that there isn't an immediate financial need mm-hmm. i i really recommend that because it it takes some time to figure out you know who am i 6 years later after mm-hmm. i've left my job and what are the things i'm interested in now are they the same things i was interested in before i mean how he ended up in banking that's a that's a story for another phone call <laughs> but <laughs> And I did love business, but I don't know if where I started was really the right point. So in that way, the, the career break became a gift to take a step back, so a little bit more of a clean slate, and think about what, what did I want to be next in my career. Yeah. And I just started exploring. I thought about what were some of the things I might have been exposed to while I was on my career break that were really interesting to me and I felt passionate about. And one of those, I really had three things that I was looking at. One of them, believe it or not, was landscape design. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm telling you this because I really encourage people to, to really think about what are the things that excite them that they enjoy doing. Now, just because you have a... An interest in something doesn't mean you want to build a career around that. And that's where, you know, as coaches, we help people distinguish interests that you might do as a hobby or, um, you know, something outside of work versus is this interest something that is a viable career for you.
1: Lauren Pricer also had to go back to the drawing board, so to speak, and start asking herself, what do I love? What are my passions?
2: So I, I've been kind of thinking about, well, what, what do I love? And, and once I identify what I love, then I can try to do something about it. And I, you know, last year I had started um, painting down uh, at David's, Davis Studio. They have open studio where you can just go in and uh, you can spend two hours doing more or less whatever you want with as much of their help uh, as you want or don't want with all their materials. So I had done that and I love, uh, I love to paint, but you know, I'm not about to start making a living as an, as an artist. (laughs) So that kind of got put back into the hobby category. Um, and I also, I love travel and I love in particular Italy. Um, my family is from there. Uh, and I think the language is beautiful, and I've been there uh, multiple times, and I I really love it. So again, last year, I started taking Italian language classes, um, just kind of in anticipation of, well, I don't know what I wanna do, but while I'm figuring it out, I might as well learn this language in case I wanna do something (laughs) that's related to Italy. Uh, so, So I'm now in my second year of those classes,
0: Lauren decided that she loved travel, and she loved Italy, so why not learn to speak Italian? She drove an hour each way from her home in Burlington, Vermont, to Middlebury College, her alma mater, to audit Italian classes a couple days a week. She did this for almost two years prior to her youngest child beginning elementary school. This passion turned into a desire to start her own business, so she launched a web-based business called Appunto.
2: What it is, is it's just me out there sharing things that I know and love about Italy, giving travel advice here and there, and just little things like that. Highlighting artisans who are there because they are big, especially right now, into the Made in Italy kind of label and trying to get it spread worldwide. So that's what that is. And I'm I'm sounding confusing because I am confused about it still.
1: Lauren's confusion might have been an indication that the idea wasn't fully formed yet. She was still lacking clarity. But confusion should not be conflated with failure. Trying something and realizing it's not the thing is progress. Michelle talks about how important it is to view this entire experience, including false starts, as part of a fairly lengthy
3: process. It is a self-exploration process, and oftentimes I think it's, The the amount of time that it takes is pretty correlated to the amount of time that you've been out of work. I think that people who have been out a shorter amount of time, maybe they've taken a two- or three-year career break, it seems like their process to return is shorter than someone who's taken much more time out. You know, it's kind of like that expression with pregnancy, you know, nine months up, nine months down in terms of, you know, it took nine months to put on the weight. It's going to take nine months to take it off. If you've been away from the workforce for a while, I would think about just having some compassion for yourself and knowing that there's lots of pieces to put back together and go into it knowing that.
1: One thing that Michelle suggests to help with patience and to help you see each step as relevant and helpful, whether it's a quote unquote success or not, is to set mini goals for yourself. Maybe even something like establish online market for handmade Italian goods, just to see if it's the thing I want to do or not.
3: I think what keeps people motivated are small wins. So if you're going into something that's going to be a longer process than maybe you'd like, then... Setting, so, you know, when people start to work with me, I'll say, well, what are the goals um, for our coaching engagement? They'll say, well, I want to get a job. I said, yes, I know that's the end result, but let's set the milestones along the way mm-hmm. so there will be things to check off. Baby steps and chunking things out, I, I think, keeps people motivated because they can feel like they're hitting accomplishments. Yeah. The accomplishment of starting that new job, that, that could be a while away, and there's so many things that have to happen before that point.
0: So let's get back to the clarity bit and talk about me for a minute. When my youngest started kindergarten last fall, I was clear about really only one thing. I knew I wanted to write. I didn't yet know where, and I certainly didn't have the audacity to think I could decide on the when. I also knew that as the lead parent, I still wanted to be available for my kids, from chaperoning the occasional field trip to daily after-school pickup. And here's where I got it a little bit wrong. Expecting that you can still be the mom you were when you weren't working outside the home is setting yourself up for failure. The point of figuring all this stuff out is to create change in your life. You're not simply adding a job to your list of daily responsibilities. You're creating a whole new role for yourself, one that will have its own separate list of priorities and responsibilities. As Michelle said to us, perfectionism is a dangerous trap. I failed to realize that all the stuff I usually did during the day, the sort of family-related administrative stuff, that would still need to get done. And then I judged myself pretty harshly when it became obvious I wasn't keeping up with everything after I started working. To avoid this trap, Michelle suggests having a family discussion before you go back to work, in which you all decide what it means to be there for your family.
3: Certainly, if you go back to work, your flexibility will be diminished relative mm-hmm. to not working. But that doesn't mean that you are going to lose that sense of being there. And I think it's a, it's a great question to ask yourself and to have a family conversation around what does being there mean.
1: And we wanted to leave you with this thought from Michelle, something that will hopefully make you feel good and happy, even joyful about the big change you're looking to make.
3: Sometimes you just have to go for it and you have to push through those little voices because what builds true confidence is not someone saying, oh, you're great at something. It's like telling your kids, just like glopping on the praise for your kids. That's not going to make them confident people. Mm-hmm. It's from taking a risk from doing a great job at it and surprising yourself or, or doing an okay job but saying here's what I learned from this and now I'm really going to be prepared next time and over time you, you build that muscle and I would think that even the most confident people when they're doing the next thing that's out of their comfort zone those little voices are going to pop up and all that means is that you're in a time of growth and it's, it's really about reframing it.
1: If you've missed an episode, go to parentco slash where was I to catch up and visit our Facebook page to share your thoughts or tell us about your own transition back to paid work. Thanks for listening.